chill cast charming up. We'll try to start off with chill cast and see how long that lasts. Not screaming and like, fuck everything. I won't start with a 10 minute rant on how much I hate Kevin Nash. <laughs> no. So I still have no idea what our release schedule is going to normally be. We, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we put out like two of the week of Christmas and I'm like, we're not going to do that normally. Oh God, no, I hope not. But even then I'm like, oh, let's try to get this out for New Year's. Mm. And then I'm like, we're doing like one a week. I said we're not going to make it in time for the January 4th one. Oh, we I think fucking, we will. We might. I mean, if we do what we did last week, which was and Monday, I actually Tuesday, said Wednesday, January fourth this time, not June. I'm proud of you. Because I did that again with something else. You, so Nick just has an issue with January versus June. Like we were, we went grocery shopping today and got two gallons of milk, and he was like, "Make sure you put the June one in the front." I'm like, "What?" I feel like most people's takeaway is that we bought two gallons of milk. Yeah, let's not dwell on that. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Butts in the Seats podcast, where we go somewhat week by week through late WCW and just kind of wonder what went wrong. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Emily. That sounded really depressed. I'm Emily. <laughs> and welcome to the Starcade 1998 episode. This is episode seven? Seven. Seven, yes. We've made it seven episodes. Yes, and Starcade will be spelled right upon release this time. <laughs> Yeah, so while we were watching this episode for this podcast, we realized that Starcade has two R's. Yeah, so I had to go back through and uh, edit some of the titles and descriptions. And Emily, remind me, what is it you do for a living? Okay, I'm a professional proofreader. So the fact that I did not catch that there were two R's in Starcade really makes me question how suited I am to my career field. <laughs> That should also say something to the fact that in this whole build, you know, in the build to, let's say, like, WrestleMania for WWE, in every pay-per-view and in most of the episodes leading up to it, there's always, like, a logo that says WWE WrestleMania. I think there were Starcut. Were there? Yeah, I think there were Starcut. I don't remember them, and they really did not point them out. Well, it's all during, like, the vignettes, which are one, few, and far between, yeah. but two, it's not like they have what WWE does, where it's like, here's the matches for the whole thing. True. Because, I guess, now's a good time to just go into the commentary for the start of this, because they just kind of jump right in. They really do. There is Although, no, no they don't jump right in. There is a lovely Goldberg hype package. Would you even call that a hype package, or is that just gratuitous, gratuitous images of Goldberg? It's not really hype. What's the difference at a certain point? It's not hype. It's like, look at this man. We love him. He might have died. We don't know, based on this package. If that had ended in, like, rest in peace, Bill Goldberg, 1998, yeah, that would track. They could use that same package. So the commentators tonight are Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, Bobby Heenan. They welcome us to December 27th, two days after Christmas, which Ooh. we just missed the 22nd year anniversary of this by a day. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we watched this on the 28th. And then when they said that, we're like, well, damn, we should have watched this yesterday. They are live from the MCI Center in Washington, D.C., now known as the Capital One Arena? Yes, the Capital One Arena. Which I know is the Verizon Center, because... 
Yeah, this DC arena is semi-local to us. It's like if we want to go to a big concert, we have one of two options. And one of those options is the Capital One Arena. So the last concert that I went to pre-pandemic was at the Capital One Arena. It was Panic at the Disco, and it was fantastic. Nice. In the arena tonight, there are right around 16,066, I think, believe was the number. Satan? Kinda? <laughs> Kinda. Not not Satan. And, alright, let's see if Emily can do better this time. I don't think you've come particularly close to any of the buy rates yet, but we'll see. Oh god, no, I'm very bad at predicting this. No, so, Starcade 97 had about 700,000 buys. Okay. So that's last year. Halloween Havoc had 310,000 buys. World War previous, Three. So you said previously that Halloween Havoc was one of their like lowest buy rates at that point, right? Maybe you're thinking of World War Three, which did 250,000. Oh, shit. So definitely down, but there was no world title match or anything like that. So what do you think Starcade did? Advertise is the biggest show of the year. But with their last pay per view being two fifty, I'm gonna guess three hundred thousand. Ooh, bit off. So you, yeah, even then you're saying down from Halloween Havoc. Which, yeah. Uh, no, four hundred and sixty thousand. Damn. So yeah, that's uh, a lot higher than I thought. <laughs> not the highest of the year. That would be Bash at the Beach, nineteen ninety eight, which is the two year anniversary of the NWO forming. Ugh. And was main evented partially by Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone. Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone. Quick, tell me anything about them. Uh, sport. What sport do they play? Sports? Yeah. What sport I thought they do were they... actors. Nope. They are basketball players. Oh, no. <laughs> Carl Malone is the mailman. Do you know why? Why? Because he always delivers. Oh, God. Were either of them in Space Jam? Carmelo has a better shop. I don't believe he is. Because mm, that's how I would know a basketball player. Carmelo also may or may not be in Like Mike. I never saw Like Mike, actually. That is up my alley of movies that I would have seen, but I never saw Like Mike. But Dennis Rodman, uh, I think right around that time, because that's July, would have been fresh off of winning an NBA title after. So the Chicago Bulls won three straight titles twice within like eight or nine years something like that either way last dance documentary great they actually talk about dennis rodman in it obviously because he's on the team but they talk about his time in wcw do they really in the last dance yes because he skipped practice to go be on nitro (laughs) and he hit ddp with a chair how how are you allowed to just skip practice to go when you're good so when you're good you don't have to practice no he got he still got penalized kind (laughs) of Like, no, like, like not enough. It's like it's okay, Michael Phelps. We know that the Olympics are next week, but you can take this one off. Yeah, I, well, I don't. No. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he also got paid an absurd amount of money, like for per appearance. I'm not surprised. Like, a, like a million bucks per appearance, kind of numbers. And we wonder why WCW died. They're just shilling money out. Well, that's all. These... That's all Ted Turner's money. Well, so back at this event. Commentary run down the card, and by the card I mean the top three matches, which yeah. are Goldberg and Kevin Nash, in which Bobby Heenan picks Goldberg to win. Flair versus Bischoff, in which for some reason the horsemen are now banned from ringside yes. because Bischoff said he wouldn't fight Flair unless they were, but legal made the match happen, so how can he not do the match 
if the horsemen aren't banned and oh no i've gone cross-eyed <laughs> <laughs> to me it's just a case of like bischoff is you know big daddy bischoff he can kind of make the final decision yeah they on know he has allowed. booking power so yeah. but i i, I, I don't, don't know. know it doesn't make sense and it's vague whether or not it's no dq as is the entire card Yes, except for one match where they are very adamant that is like we said, this is no DQ. But they don't say that yet. No, not yet. No, as of right now, it's still a normal. It's established in this pay per view before then, the match. Yeah, and then they just casually mentioned, "Oh yeah, DDP and the Giant are going to yeah. have a match." No one cares about that. That's fine. Yeah, we then get a QVC and WCW ad, which which I was very confused by. Yeah. Because so, they don't really say what it is. They're just like, there's an event this upcoming Wednesday. Yeah. So to me, that's like a pay-per-view event on QVC. No, because there's definitely definitely no wrestling. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was just wrestling merch available for like bid and purchase. But they also didn't really say if WCW um, like personalities are going to be on it. You know, I guess they did. They, no, they just said event. Yeah. Which to a wrestler means wrestling. Excuse me. A wrestling fan means wrestling. Yeah. I, I think. I've I literally think. never heard of this. Even in like passing of like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Like I've never heard of this. Because the QVC is the home shopping network. Like that is the channel that you put on to buy some yeah, like, it, antique That's the same necklace, channel right? now? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the history of QVC. I, so I don't know if they rebranded or. There might be a like competitor channel, but I think QVC is now HSN, which is the home shopping network. You're going to get exposed for your lack of QVC knowledge. <laughs> Emily's lack of QVC knowledge exposes the business. QVC slash HSN used to be the channel that we would put on on the TV in my dorm room that we would just fall asleep to. I think QVC is their own thing. I think it's different channels. Oh, well. We get a Mean Gene appearance after that. Not interviewing anybody. Just no. here's the hotline. Pay $1.69 a minute. And you can hear about... Uh, we have people backstage we can't tell you about because we want to make money from it. But... I couldn't they're... find who this was. I, the only person it might be is a spoiler for a later match. And even then, I mean... They've already paid for the pay-per-view. Yeah. The, I mean, They've the, already got the money. The, that hotline is questionable. How many people do you think actually called that hotline? Enough. Ugh. I think I told you previously, like, he got, like, half the royalties from that. And it was just like, cool, I just doubled my pay. Oof. <laughs> Which, yeah, you're say, I thought you are saying oof like he didn't make that much money. He made a lot no, of money. No, no, no. I'm oh, saying okay. oof like that should not have happened. <laughs> it, well, it's kind of like how George Lucas was like, yeah, I'll just I'll I'll take a less percentage of the cut of the film, but I want all the toy rights. Yeah, no, fuck that. That's just gross. That's like gross capitalism. That's well, what I mean by oof. Well, they gave it to. Him. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. So our first match, we're gonna start off like at the peak. Yeah this this show really went from the highest of highs to nothing, to me at least. Yeah, uh, first match is a triangle match for the cruiserweight title. Triangle match is there apparently the term. Now we know. Now we know. Which I, is this... I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's DQ or not. It so doesn't it's come kind up. of a triple threat. Yeah, so triple threat match is no DQ, no count out. Yes. This at one point they count people down, but they don't count them out. So we don't really know what happens if they count them out. And and from the triangle match on Nitro. Of the two, the one that actually started and it happened, mm -hmm. Scott Hall ran in and the match was over. So they didn't they didn't announce who won or anything like that. It was just a no contest DQ, kind of. I have 
I don't know. I don't know if they know. I think that was just, well, we need something to happen. We don't want anyone to win this match. Right. Which also does raise the question of, they say Goldberg is 173-0. and 0. How do all the no contests work in terms of that? See, that was my argument last episode, too. It's like, if there are so many no contests or disqualification endings to Goldberg matches, is that why his... His streak is what it is because, like, he can't lose if people keep interfering and disqualifying the match. Well, there is a difference between, like, if you win by DQ, that's a win for you. So that uh, would count to his count? Yeah, we had to have a – I think we – Oh, we did I've heard we talked about it on mic or off mic about <laughs> what quantifies a DQ win. Actually, I think we talked about it during the Eddie match. Um, oh, yeah, we did. Oh, spoilers. Eddie is an Eddie match. <laughs> Oh, then again, there's just... There's, there's no card. That's oh, spoil- spoilers. spoilers. There's a Fit Finley match, too, at one point. But you, Oh, I <laughs> forgot about that. That's in my notes, but I forgot about it. But, yeah, it's like, that counts as DQ in, but the no contests, I guess, are draws. We also watched the uh, the Goldberg documentary, which I think you got triggered as soon as Kevin Nash <laughs> turned up on that. And started on Kevin Nash. They actually do address the... Hmm, it's probably not 173. And Kevin Nash seems salty about it. And then there's a guy who I don't know his name. He hosts The Bump with yeah. whoever did his makeup should have gotten fired. So orange. <laughs> but he's like, I don't care what the number was. He's just kind of there to be like, a, oh, my God, this is so great. Yeah. Anyway. It was a really good documentary, though. Like, I had a lot of fun watching it. Except for how much I hated Kevin Nash was just highlighted. Yeah, I but. wish it, it very much hit has a couple points it wants to hit. Mm-hmm. And then glances through the rest. For what it was, though, I'm glad that it was the length that it was. I think if that was yeah, trying to be like, minutes? yeah, that yeah. was perfect. And I think that if it was like a two hour, even like an hour and a half documentary, I think that would have been too much. Yeah, I did uh, at the end. I had my thumb on like the back button. Like, okay, if they talk about what happens after the streak, I need to like, <laughs> I need to back out of this. So... Let's talk about this. This let's give this match the time. Yes, because it's a good match. Yes, Juventud Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio versus Kidman. Rey comes out to his hip hop theme again, which is so bad. Yeah, it's not. Which one's better, that or the "Who's that jumping out the sky"? Oh, who's that jumping out the sky? Right. And now for the potentially recurring segment on on this podcast, what Pokemon is Rey Mysterio? Or in other words, who's that Pokemon? It's Voltorb. I'll take it. <laughs> I was leaning Electrode because so Ray is wearing a it's mostly half red, half white. But right down the middle, there's some like mostly on the trunks. There's some black. I think there's some black question marks, too. So I was leaning Electrode because Electrode has a little it more black. It was more just design. like the black outline than like black features, which I think is the difference between Electrode and Voltorb. So like <laughs> Electrode has more black features. And Voltorb is more just like, you know, the black lines that divides the red and the white. I also would have accepted Delibird okay. and Grout. You explained Grout. that one to me before. Yes, I don't he remember is the uh, Pokemon Ruby mascot. Mm-hmm. And Delibird is from Johto. We will try our best to keep it to uh, Gen 1 or 2. Anyway, match. Yeah, I think we're stalling to talk about this match the best one. I know. So w- when we start... Hoovy just walks over to both men and just shoves them like, yep, I'm the heel in this match. So then both Kidman and Ray double team him. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to hit some of the better spots in this, but it's a lot of fast-paced action. And it's the way I think a triple threat match should be, where it's, you know, like all three men kind of interacting with each other at once and not, mm-hmm. I'm going to fight you and then clothesline you to the outside and the other person's going to come in and then they'll close, clothesline me to the outside and then the other person will come yeah. in and it's just a series of singles matches. Yeah, which is not fun. Yeah. And granted, this is a lot harder to do than that. I mean, yeah, but they do it well. And yeah. I think, like, what we can really commend them for in this match is, like, the three of those men in the ring actually told a story. Like, you you knew what their relationship with each other was. Yeah, and everyone shined. Like, I don't yeah. think there was a le- uh, weak link in this. No. But the first thing we get in this is one of my least favorite spots in wrestling, which we talked about a little bit last time, which is the, I'm going to hold this guy. And you hit him, but then when I accidentally let go and you're already mid-swing and you hit me, it's like, what the hell, dude? Why'd you hit me? Now we're enemies. Yeah, because yeah. Kidman holds Hoovy, and then Ray goes for a forearm and hits Kidman in the face. How dare he? Yeah, but it is triple threat match, so like, I'm glad they got that out of the way pretty early. Yeah, and that in that hit, while it's kind of dumb story-wise, it makes it so it's 1v1v1, not 2v1. Yes. Which, like, Rey Mysterio and Kidman were definitely coming into this, like, as a pair against Juventude. And that that one hit made them separate. So, early on, Kidman gets Rey on his shoulders, but Rey rolls through as Hoovy is, like, mid-top rope crossbody dive. But then Kidman slams Rey onto Hoovy, who then almost gets the pin. <laughs> yeah, he goes for a pin real early in yeah. this, which, like, shocking. Yeah, that's pretty common with the Cruiserweight. I think they, at one point they're like, oh my god, how many pin attempts have there been? Fair. I think kind of like 25. And I'm like, I don't, like, actually it, was probably, it might have been the case by then. But also I'm like, I don't know how much that's a sign of, it's not a sign of not quality, but it's not a sign of quality. No, definitely it's not a sign of quality. But like, it was just, it was just shocking to me. Because with WCW matches, I've noticed that they can be very, very short. And this match I didn't think was going to be one of those that could be really, really short. But the fact that he was going for the pin so early made me think that, like, oh, this is going to be a four-minute match. I think that might just be cruiserweight scrappiness, honestly. Maybe. Shortly thereafter, we get a jumping face buster on Kidman, which I enjoyed. Not by Kidman. On Kidman. <laughs> yes. We do not get the fake powerbomb spot in this match. No, we do not. I was very happy about that. Not in this match. So... I think it's at this point where the re- where the ref then is like counting everyone down because in a singles match, if you both stay down for like a ten count, it's a no contest or it's like a draw, okay. whatever they want, whatever they want to call it this week. Sure. Here, I'm like, okay, weird. They're counting, but only yeah. So I guess only one of the men needs to get to their feet. Another weird rule aspect of us just trying to piece together. Like, is, is there- this the point where they are all outside the ring? No, they're all down on the ground. Okay. In in the ring. Okay. Yeah, I think Kidman rolls to the outside and Hoovy vaults Ray like nearby him and then hits a springboard splash onto both. Yes. We then get a double drop kick from Ray and Kidman hitting Hoovy midair back in the ring. Yeah, and when Hoovy gets hit by that, I noted that like his flail with that I guess like with that cell, he was just like flopping around like a fish out of water. I was like, dude, he's he doing too much. <laughs> This isn't selling. This is just flopping. He does that when he when he like does a, a le- like a top rope leg drop too, or like a springboard yeah. leg drop. Like, there's a difference between selling and just flailing, and you're flailing. So we get another instance of Ray on Kidman's shoulders, but then Hoobie hits a springboard Frankensteiner onto Ray, like on top of Kidman. It's like oh shit. <laughs> Kidman hits Stratisfaction, 
and drop kicks Ray on the way down while holding Hoovy. Yes. There's a lot of fun three-man spots. It was this. cool. So Hoovy counters a top rope splash from Kidman, and then Ray hits a springboard moonsault onto Kidman as well. Ray hits a springboard head scissors onto Hoovy on the apron, like to the outside, and like a real. That was a little oh, sloppy. Oh, and that's when he like he hit his shoulder on the apron, and it looked like it hurt. Yeah, even like the commentators are like, "See, he tried to like brace himself there," no, and it's like, no, 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 he "Well, did he not. did try to brace himself, but he missed." <laughs> It was botchy. It was not clean. It was scary looking. I'd say it was acceptable sloppy. I mean, like, there's going to... It's yeah. not always... Like, moves like that are not always going to be clean. So I'm like, okay, It was fine. realistic sloppy for sure. We then get Kidman hitting a falling powerbomb to Hoovy, but Ray breaks up the pin. And I honestly assumed Hoovy was going to hit the face buster. <laughs> if Hoovy hit the face buster, I'd be a little shocked. I would have given this match a 10 out of 10. <laughs> we get that weird sunset flip bulldog... From Ray again. I don't know what to call it. The commentators don't know what to call it. Yeah. Where I don't it's think like, it has he's going for a sunset flip and then he just suddenly turns it into a bulldog. Like, it doesn't look like it gets countered or anything. It just like, it looks like, I'm going to do an odd setup for this move. I just don't think it has a name yet. Maybe it will soon. Maybe it just retires. We didn't get a springboard moonsault to the outside from Ray. So, so far, Hoovy's got his spot. Ray got his spot. <laughs> Only one more. Yeah, and then the match is over. We then get a springboard Hurricane Rana from Ray to Hoovy. Hoovy then hits a Hoovy driver, but Kidman breaks up the pin. Hoovy vaults Ray into Kidman on the top rope, and Ray hits a top rope Hurricane Rana, which I thought was a fun spot. Yeah, that was cool. Ray then head scissors Hoovy to the outside, and I'm like, okay, cool, now it's Kidman's turn. And Kidman does his spot. Oh, we were both, like, on edge for this whole Well, I didn't think segment. he was going to do what he did, and then he did it. Kidman hits a shooting star press... From the top rope to the outside on both standing men. Mm -hmm. And in Kidman, in classic Kidman fashion, he almost hits the apron on the dive. Which is sometimes the physics of him. Just like, how are you not going anywhere? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. You have to like jump forward in that move. Yeah. And apparently he did not. He misses it, but it, oh man, it's... He gets close. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero then comes down to massive booze. Yeah. So I was confused at this point, too, because this is right after Kidman did that jump. And then it was just like, boo, out of nowhere. And I'm like, wow, they really did not like that move. And he's like, no, no, no. Someone's coming down the ramp. <laughs> so Eddie distracts the ref while Kidman kind of rolls up Hoovy. Somehow the ref gets undistracted, but still distracted enough to where Eddie can run in the ring and, like, reverse the leverage on the pin. Yes. Ray then drop kicks Hoovy, who has the leverage, and Kidman ends up rolling through and pins Hoovy. However, the camera misses it because it's focusing on Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, in the moment of the pin, they cut to the camera that's focusing on Eddie Guerrero's face and almost miss the pin. Basically do miss the pin. Yeah, because I think they just catch three. Yeah. But Kidman retains. Woo! And that should be the end of the match, right? So he retains <laughs> and go, then just goes to the back. Eddie then grabs a mic and chews out Hoovy and Ray and says they're both not LWO material. Basically calling Hooventude a moron, saying that he's not worthy of the LWO. Like, really mean shit. <laughs> he also calls Kidman a cream puff and a pretty boy. Yeah, cream puff. He, like, said that one a couple of times. I'm like, that's an interesting adjective to go with 
He also says to Ray, all you do is fight against me. Yeah, that's kind of his whole thing. Eddie, you're on the program. You knew that he didn't want to be part of the LWO when you made him be part of the LWO. Why are you surprised by this? So Eddie then challenges Kidman to a cruiserweight champion. I assume he means match, but you're just like, oh. And I think he means this as in, like, eventually. I don't know what he meant, because Kidman then comes out and he accepts, and I'm like, you're an idiot. But Eddie wants to go get his gear and is like, oh, I'm not ready. But Kidman's like, nope, nope we're, no. uh, we're we're doing this now. Yeah, Kidman's basically like, talk shit, get hit, get in the ring, let's fight. Yeah, and even Mike Tanay commentary is like, he's like, why would Kidman accept this? Yeah, I don't know. My yeah. favorite line, though, from Eddie, though, when he was, like, trying to make up excuses to not fight, he says... Oh, I'm just, I haven't had a chance to prepare mentally for the match. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> I love, I'm challenging you to a match, but I need time for I need time to be mentally prepared. Shut up, Eddie. Well, as previously stated, unfortunately, Eddie Guerrero does not have a groin, because none of us have groins, so he can't claim to have a groin pull. Of course not. How dare you think that anybody in the WCW has a groin other than Bret Hart? Our second match of the night is an impromptu cruiserweight title match between Kidman and Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And early on, it happens. Eddie Guerrero hits a powerbomb on Kidman. It's not a drill. It happens. An actual powerbomb, not a fake-out powerbomb, not a face buster. He went for it. I went, oh, oh my God. (laughs) It's real. So Eddie works over Kidman for a lot of this match is Hoovy cheers him on. Which I was so confused by. Yeah, I think even commentary points it out. Like Eddie Guerrero just spent the entire like in between of the two matches chewing out Hooventude for being a moron and being a bad wrestler and, you know, bringing you know, sullying the name of the LWO. And I'm like, why are you cheering this man on? So Hoovy also helps Eddie pull on an abdominal stretch until Ray, who was also at ringside, but I guess for Kidman, comes over and kind of breaks that up. And quote, I think quote of the night for this match from Bobby Heenan, it looks like two construction workers fighting on their lunch break. Because <laughs> yeah, we should note, Eddie's not in his gear. Yeah, he has pre- to go to the back and previously gear. Stated, yeah, he's not in his gear. So he's just wrestling in like work boots, jeans. T-shirt. They claim to be... The commentators claim for it to be steel-toed boots at one point. It's not steel-toed boots. You know how heavy steel-toed boots are? Eddie then locks in that move we previously mentioned where it's like a clover leaf while grabbing the arm. They call it like a deathlock-like maneuver, but they also don't know what to call it. So, I mean, it looks sore. It looks good. I just wait for it to have a name. This match is definitely a lot more kick-punchy, not so flippy fun. Yeah, the story of this match is Eddie works over Kidman. Kibben manages to get one or two moves, and then Eddie regains control. Yeah. Not our one of the night, but we get our first DQ moment <laughs> of, they're on the outside. Hoovy just blatantly grabs Kidman for Eddie to punch. Is that not outside interference? It is. DQ? And Eddie punched them. They, they do not do the, it's the one thing they didn't want to happen spot. <laughs> We also get a real awkward spot after that of Eddie guides Kidman into the corner, but like Eddie is like has his back to the corner. 
Yeah, it wasn't really following Yeah, it's what basically so there. so Kidman can work him over. It looked like a weird like odd timing for a spot. Yeah, commentary was saying that Guerrero must want Kidman to just tire himself out with all these punches. So that's why he's letting him hit him. That doesn't quite track, but I see what you're going for. Yeah, because they're trying to set up a shoe spot, which mm-hmm. they managed to hit because Ray inadvertently distracts the ref. And Eddie t- takes off his shoe and hits Kidman with it. Yeah. His steel-toed boot. Important to note, two things. One, this is not the first uh, not the first match I've seen with Eddie Guerrero m- not wearing a shoe. And two, Eddie doesn't put the shoe back on afterwards. He, he wrestles in one white sock. And one, quote, steel-toed boot. <laughs> I was on the lookout for any bumps or, like, landings where I'm like, your ankles are going to feel it. There, was, there wasn't anything too bad like that. After receiving a brain buster, Kidman manages to hit a superplex. Once again, pointing to the superplexes are very prominent in these matches. Yes, they are. Eddie gets Kidman in a leg lock and uses the ropes for leverage. The ref is looking... The straight line is the ref's eyes, Kidman, and right behind Kidman's head is Eddie grabbing the ropes. And the ref's like, I'm not going to look up five degrees... To see this. No, he has a very, like, laser-pointed focus on Kidman. And everything else is blurry, out of focus. Yeah, like, listen, I, I know this is a common spot, but usually, like, work your angles better. Like, the, the ref needs to be on the other side so he doesn't isn't even looking at Eddie. Yep, no. It's, it was the same, like, line of vision. Eddie then goes for another powerbomb, but shocker, Kidman counters it into a face buster. Which I thought was a little bit of a botch. But it wasn't. No, nah, just I mean, a, it looked like Kidman it was a little didn't loose. quite. Yeah, it was loose. It looked like Kidman didn't quite get his hands around Eddie's head to like bust to bust his face, if you will. But it still worked. Yeah, a little loose. I wouldn't call that a botch. Yeah. Kidman tries to hit top road Frankensteiner, but Eddie holds on. Eddie then tries for one of his own, but Kidman counters. But Hoovy pushes him off the top rope while Eddie's bodyguard distracts the ref. They then both try a, another top rope spot. It gets there's a lot of top rope spots that mm-hmm. don't happen here, because Ray then tosses Eddie into Hoovy, who's on the apron holding Kidman. Hoovy drops to the floor. Eddie drops in the perfect position for the shooting star press, and Kidman quote unquote hits it. We disagreed with how well he hit it because, from my point of view. Kidman's knee ends up like above Eddie's head. Yes, but it didn't look like it was so close that it was dangerous to me, but yeah, I don't know. Either way, Kidman gets the win, retains once again. Ray, Ray helps Kidman to the back, and that's pretty much it. That's it. I thought it made Eddie look kind of lame for not being able to win. I think it looked, made Eddie look lamer than it made Kidman look scrappy. I thought it made Kidman look really good. Out of the two, I mean, I think I know the answer to this. Which one did you like better? Probably the first one. Yeah, I think absolutely go out of your way. Watch the first one. I mean, the whole setup, like the this whole, I don't even know what to call it, sequence of events, I guess, is really good. Yeah. Like, if you've got the time, watch both. Yeah. But if you've only got time for one match, watch the first one. Agreed. There's the old propaganda of WWF saying... Man, WCW was terrible, but they had great cruiserweights, and this is this, this is what they're talking evidence about. Evidence of that. They are. This is so fun to watch. Now for the complete opposite of that, 
First off, we get a Goldberg versus Nash video package, a different one set to choir music. We got so many video packages in this, I was shocked. Except none of them, or only one of them has any sort of dialogue in it. So it's just shots with instrumental music. And this is the second one of the night that's like, are they gods or are they dead? A little bit. (laughs) So, continuing with the exact opposite of those first two matches, we get Norman Smiley versus Prince Iakea. I'm like, can you tell me why these two are fighting? No, and you made me watch their build. I know. We get a jobber entrance for Norman Smiley. So, what do you, what do you mean by a jobber entrance? When basically, so there's two versions of it. There is the when we come back from commercial and you're already in the ring, mm. like we're not even going to bother showing it, or this. Where I guess you can't do that because it's pay per view. Where he's like on, he's like still on, like in the aisle. Like he's still in the aisle, mm-hmm. and they're like play the next guy's music. Like he doesn't even get in the ring before they're like, all right, let's move, oh. let's move it on. So job or entrance just means like production does not give a shit about you. No, just okay. like you're okay. We've acknowledged you're here. Let's move it on. Gotcha. Although I'm guessing they played IAK's music because the was... mix was so bad, like neither of us could hear it, and. I could hear it fine for the first match, but now I can't hear the announcer again. Yep. Can you hum at any amount of bars of either of these men's no. intro music? Not at all. <laughs> so very, I have very little to say about this. Prince Ikea goes from a cannonball from the apron at one point, and he just breaks physics because he like lightly taps Norman Smiley and like all momentum stops. Like, he just drops to the ground. There's no more spinning. Like, and they, 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 like, barely touch, too. And I'm like, how did you stop your momentum like that? <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't even paying all that much close attention to this. Like, Norman Smiley's gear was weird. Yeah, you not, know who else wasn't paying attention to this match? The commentators. Yeah, they could not give less of a shit about yeah, this match. We, we kind of, we finally realized that... Certain pay-per-view matches only exist for the commentators to talk about main event stuff. Yeah. And in this case, they were talking about Rick and Eric? Eric Bischoff? Yeah. Yeah, they just talk about Bischoff and Flair. And they don't even acknowledge the match, Mm -mm. like, at all until Smiley gets a pop for dancing. Yeah, his stupid little, like, ass slap dance thing that he does. Yeah. I don't know if I hate that or the spit of Rudy more. Probably this. It's like the only reaction that ever happens in this match. Yeah. Minus a boring chant. Was there a boring chant? Oh, I absolutely. couldn't tell. Yeah. Because it felt like the audience got muted pretty quick. We do get uh, Norman Smiley spinning around Prince Ikea before hitting a scoop slam. That's like, I don't know. It's something that happens it in the match. It was something. Just... It was a move. And the I think the boring chants and the lack of reaction is actually pissing off Norman Smiley. Oh, really? I'm like, he's either a heel or he is getting shoot pissed at the crowd. Which, like, I kind of don't blame him, but also, mm-hmm. like, you're not giving him anything either, dude. This match really, like, highlighted my shock. Because, like, like I said earlier, WCW has a tendency to have shorter matches. And this match has no reasoning for being the length that it was. And it felt like it was pretty long. I might be wrong. It might have only been like six or seven minutes, but it felt long. It was 11.31. Which is a long match. It was longer than Kidman versus Eddie Guerrero. Really? Yeah. Well, and and the and the triangle match was only uh, about 15 minutes. Which is like still longer than I anticipate. 
from any WCW match. We get a double underhook suplex from Norman Smiley, which I'm like, okay, there you go. Nice move. He, yeah, he just talking about this match. <laughs> he has just, just basic fundamentals followed by occasional dance moves. Like, that's this match. Not even, like, more than one dance move. Just one dance move. Yeah. Just the one. We did get one nice move from Prince Iakea. He hits a, like, bridging belly-to-belly suplex. That was cool. Then... That's kind of it, though. Yeah, Norman Smiley kind of locks in the Norman Conquest. Like, it's... Was that the leg move? It's the chi- It's like the chicken oh, the, leg. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. They call it the Norman Conquest now. Um, he, like, kind of locks in. Like, it doesn't totally read like he's fighting to get it in. It just, like, looks like he he's, like, he can't get it. I don't know. It, it, it was yeah. sloppy. Prince Ikea taps out. There's no reason for this to go 11 minutes. And no, really no reason for it to be on the card. No, it wasn't a belt match. It was nothing. Like, there was no reason for this. But it, it was there. It happened. And we watched the build for it. This was the start of... I Probably about an hour. And it just, like... It, it, it killed all momentum for us. Yeah. Like I said, it starts off real, real high. And then it just falls to nothing randomly next out we get scott hall wearing an outsider shirt and still having no music it's just awkward when he walks down the ramp to no music it just kind of like makes you feel bad for the guy and like maybe that's the point but i don't like it i don't like feeling bad for scott hall let me never show you a scott hall documentary then oh really yeah oh i don't want to feel bad for him hall says that being in dc for the holidays is too sweet too sweet D.C. around Christmas is not, like, a magical place. Yeah. We went to see the uh, Capitol Christmas tree last year. Like, big Christmas tree outside the White House. It's a tree. Also, see, you say outside the White House. It's just kind of somewhere. I thought it was, like, on the lawn. No. I can't remember. There were a lot of people. Well, we got right up to the tree. It was not on the White House lawn. Well, obviously not on the White House lawn. Yeah, it was just kind of somewhere. Like, you're like, oh, it's this big tree thing. I'm like... It was a big tree. I mean, and they had, like, different trees for each state. Yeah. It was was a cool setup, but... I just, like... You pictured it as this, like, massive cultural thing, and I was like, I've never heard of this, so... Well, you're also not from the area. You're you're an outsider. Yeah, but you're not from New York City, but you know about the Rockefeller tree. That's got a little bit more pop culture to it. <laughs> like, that, that's kind of what I mean. Like, Washington, D.C. at Christmas is not something that they make no. you know, Hallmark movies about. <laughs> no. Uh, Hall says that 98 was a pretty bad year for him, but he only blames himself. Yeah, this was like a very humble, hum- like, yeah. human, human making. What am Again, I trying to say? He's supposed to be a face here. I don't get that. He does note that. Nash said he has to prove himself to Nash. And he also says that he's not the smartest guy in the world, but he has nothing to prove to anybody. But himself. Yeah, but himself. Also says that 1999 is going to be his year. Which no one is saying about 2021. And that's just the end of that? Yeah. Again, I don't know why it needed to be here. Didn't seem to tease anything. Just, all right, Scott Hall's here. Let's give him a promo. It's strange. Like, at this point in the pay-per-view, I'm starting to, like, really not get the vibes that this is the biggest show of the year for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just kind of feels like another episode of Thunder. Or, not Thunder, Nitro. Well, how can you say that with our next match? (sighs) No, because before that, we get a video package. Oh, true. We get get a recap. We get a recap. We get a recap package of the triangle match of Bam Bam Bigelow, Goldberg, and Kevin Nash. I do not know why we got this recap. No, I don't know. But next we get 
another star-studded match of the cat with Sonny Ono versus Perry Saturn. Oh, yeah. I turned to Emily and I was like, do you want to call this match on the podcast? And you're like, fuck no. But apparently you did take notes <laughs> I to did call it. because I did. I, I wanted to say no because I knew that if I was given all the responsibility, I would freak out and I would do a bad job and you'd be upset with me. So I said no, but I still tried to take notes. Let's, we're just going to see how I did. All right. I'll chime in with, with, if I think you missed anything. Oh, no. <laughs> so it starts with um, the cat coming down the ring, and he's already taunting the audience, which is already just a fun thing that the cat does, just belittling the audience. And he gets in the ring, and he says something along the lines of, like, you all love me, which is just obviously what you want a heel to say. He also starts with the classic, shut up. Yeah. And that's just his... Just, like, taunting the audience. Yeah. It's like... It's such obvious and cheap it, it heel is a, heat. It is a default heel move for when there's no noise, say shut up. And that's this is the point where I start to get a little confused because Perry Saturn comes down and I for the life of me can't figure out who's the heel and who's the face. Perry's if you're trying face. to tell me that Perry Saturn's the face, I feel like you're lying to me. I think it's heel versus heel in this no, match. No, Perry's the face. It's just kind of blank slate versus heel. Yeah, it was bad. But... When when Perry comes out, also they're calling him Perry Saturn now, not just Saturn. Yes. Dave Penzer starts to announce him, and then stops, and then never comes back to it. Oh, was this the one with like the weird sound glitch? Maybe. Where like just the the ring announcer was like entering the ring. And yeah. That was it. Yeah, and oh, they, he, he never actually announces Perry no. Saturn. Anyway, so Perry Saturn gets into the ring. With and his chainmail vest. His chainmail vest, his weird... They're calling it like a military look. It is not a military look. Anyway, so the cat kind of like starts, you know, doing his shit talking to Perry Saturn. He's like, I'm going to give you... I'm going to turn around and give you to the count of five to leave the ring. Yes, this is his his gimmick. Oh, is it? Yeah. Has he done this before? Yeah. Oh, I don't... Did we, we watched this we, build, didn't we? we? Yeah. I don't remember him doing that before. Watched a little bit of it. Okay. He, he he did it last time too, and I think he had World War Three. Obviously, Perry Saturn does not leave at the count of five. We also get another no, no noise. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. So he hits him. Hits him right out of the ring. Cat just kind of like walks around the outside of the ring. He does. Pouty he, and he does like wind up the entire does, five yeah. count. <laughs> but if that was a gimmick, I don't know. Like, what well, was a gimmick and what wasn't anymore? But yeah, hits him out of the ring. And, you know, he just kind of walks around pouty and he, like, walks away, waits until Perry Saturn's back is turned, jumps back in the ring. And, you know, it's just a lot of that. I did laugh at the spot where he basically decides to leave and he's like, oh, wait a minute, Saturn's back is turned. I'm going to go slide back in. And he slides right to, like, Saturn's feet. Saturn just turns around like, what the fuck do you yeah. think you're and doing? And that's when Perry, like, stomped the shit out yeah. of him. And then he leaves the ring again. Yeah. And then he comes back in and he tries to, like, you know, bargain with Perry Saturn or whatever, get him to stop or whatever. So Perry Saturn kicks him. And then finally, the cat starts to get some offense and, like, rakes his eyes, does, like, a leg sweep. Yells, I'm the greatest. Like, I'm the, yeah. No reaction. Finally gets some, like, offensive stomps on Perry Saturn. So he starts to choke Perry Saturn out on the ropes. Ref starts to count, so he lets go. And then he just stomps on Perry Saturn some more. And he goes for the pin. Perry obviously kicks out. I keep calling him Perry. I don't know why I'm calling him Perry. And I wrote down Saturn. He is Perry Saturn. Whatever. Um, I feel like you're giving this match even more detail than it, than it deserves. I was I was nervous, so... I'll take over for a little Go bit of it. it. 
don't Ernest, have much left. <laughs> Ernest Miller just complains to the ref about something. Like, nothing's happened. Just mm. like, oh, hey. And then that distracts Perry Saturn. And Miller hits him with just a soft kick. Yes. I don't like Ernest Miller's kicks. He's not a good wrestler. <laughs> oh, and then there was a point where Ernest Miller leaves the ring again. And Sonny Ono comes up to him and is like, you have to use your martial arts. Yes, he's the world, Which like, is very, like, the world karate champion what? or something in kayfabe. <laughs> you must use your martial arts skill. He's like, of course. Perry catches a spin kick and turns into a back suplex, which is a nice little spot. We also get a spinning belly-to-belly throw from Perry Saturn, followed by a, sp- a spinning neck breaker. Ernest Miller dodges a diving axe handle and hits a kick. Just a kick. A kick. That's his move, just a kick. He then holds up Perry Saturn and calls for Sonny Ono to come in and hit him. And when Sonny Ono goes for the kick, it's the one thing they didn't want to happen. As Perry Saturn moves, and Ernest Miller is so upset, he kicks Sonny Ono. Because of course. Saturn then hits a Death Valley driver and gets the win. We put way too much detail into that match. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're calling stomps. I'm like, nah, cool moves. I still I like Perry Saturn's happens. offense. You told me to call the match. <laughs> Yeah, but you, you've never told me to call a match before. You're, you're calling it like it's fucking like it's Kidman Guerrero and, and Mysterio. <laughs> That's the only way that I've ever heard you call matches. I meant call it like I call Prince Ike as Norman Smiley. I don't know. <laughs> I got scared. Yeah, no, nothing, Matt. I'm hoping that's over. I, I mean, Saturn actually won, so I'm hoping that's Norman recent Smiley, enough. Who was, the cat does not have much of a push after this. I would hope he's around for a while. He ends up. I don't know if it's in WCW he has it or not. Does he come to WWF? Yes. E? He ends up with uh, Brodus Clay's theme. Oh. Does somebody call my mama? Somebody call my mama. He ends up with that for some reason. Why? I don't know. In an attempt to turn things around, we get Mean Gene interviewing Ric Flair. Got it. boy. And just to add to the coolness, in the middle of Gene introducing Flair... The music starts, so it's just building as he's in the introduction. Yeah, we're both that was like, pretty cool. ooh. And then Ric Flair comes out in the most fabulous robe jacket. Yes. So sparkly. So Ric Flair. It was just, ugh, chef kiss. So good. And we do finally get it. We get our. We get our. Are you happy? Yes, I'm very happy. I feel like I've been cheated out of that for the last couple of weeks. So Gene notes that the horsemen are gone, but Rick agreed to that. Like he's fine with it. Also, they're like, yeah, Mongo had to be like removed by police. Yeah. Who Mongo apparently may or may not have been no showing slightly. What do you mean? Like he just wasn't turning up. Oh, for like nitros? Yeah. Oh, that would explain a lot, because I haven't seen him in a minute. Separate Mongo thing, I didn't realize he shows up at WrestleMania 11. Does he? Oh, is he? No, never mind. DDP was the one that was, like, driving the car. Yes, that's WrestleMania 6, I want to say. No, WrestleMania 11 uh, is main evented by Bam Bam Bigelow versus Lawrence Taylor. And Mongo is one of the people in, like, Lawrence Taylor's entourage, because he... He, you know, he played football, so. Oh, okay. And apparently WF tried to sign him. And they're like, and it wasn't for that much money. And then WCW was like, here's a bunch of money. We're like, I'll, I'm going to go over there. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Back in the promo, Rick notes that he'll agree to basically anything to kick Eric Bischoff's ass. Mm-hmm. He then goes body part by body part on saying what he's going to do to Eric Bischoff. It was a lot. He also says that Bischoff is going to find out what it means to be a limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun. It is, this was just such a good flair promo. Except for like the body part stuff. Like that was a lot, but... Gene then throws to a Bischoff and Flair video package, Another which is the same what's the same one as Nitro. They don't even add anything no. from Nitro. They just but copy and paste it. It's another video package, though, with Fair. a little bit of context. Fair. I guess if we had just watched the pay-per-views, it would have been nice to see some of this. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you weren't following Nitro the way that we are, it, or even like, I'm as glad, closely as I'm glad as we once are. we started, now they're giving video packages. Yeah, right? <laughs> Who needed them for Halloween Havoc? Um, Me. I did. I needed them badly. We then go backstage to Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell just, like, searching through backstage. Just yelling. And they just interrupt Conan taking a nap and just start shouting They're at him. They're just yelling. I don't even know what they were yelling we're, or we're, what we're they going, were yelling We're going to beat about. you up. It was just a lot of shouting. I, like, I don't even know so, what was yeah, said. So, yeah, Lex Luger then comes in and holds Conan back. It was just the most bizarre I I, I don't understand segment. why. Doesn't play into anything else. No. It was just yelling. Yeah. Also, like, poor Conan. He's just laying down, resting for his match, and just... <laughs> like, what? Ugh. Speaking of... Ugh. So we get Scott Norton and Brian Adams with Vincent versus Jerry Flynn and Fit Finley. So when the NWO entrance happened, I turned to Nick and said, I don't know who any of these men are. And I thought you were joking because it's Scott Norton. Who we constantly talk about, you don't know who Scott Norton is. And so I think you see him and don't know who he is. I think think you're ripping me. You could give me a lineup of men right now and be like, one of these men is Scott Norton. Also, Vincent is Virgil, who we talked about. I know, but like, yeah, no, this just kind of leads into my like argument that there are too many people in the NWO. There are too many guys. I can't keep track of three. I don't know who these men are. There's too many. (laughs) There are a lot. But, like, also tell me anything that any of those men are doing tonight. Like, what? Uh, well, Scott Norton and Brian Adams are wrestling <laughs> Fit Finley and Jerry Flynn. <laughs> Which, this match just exists because Tony announces that Goldberg versus Nash is now no DQ. And I think, oh, that's why this match is here, for you to talk yep. about the main event. They will not be talking about this match. They will only be talking about that match. State of Finley, though. I love Finley, but oof, bud. I noted, I'm like, man, maybe the build for this happened on Thunder, but I'm like, they don't even try to give any sort of, they're like, oh yeah, the the Jerry Flynn and Finley, you know, have tagged together a couple times in Japan. Cool. Which I'm like, did they? <laughs> I don't know. Are you sure about that? No, my prediction going into this match was that either NWO was going to win in two minutes or there was interference. And I was wrong on both. Yeah, this was also like 10 minutes. Yeah. All of these matches were longer than I thought they would be. It was uh, 8.56, apparently. But I also laughed at Scott Norton's singlet, because it's, it's just a black singlet with two very tiny NWO logos, one on the side and one on the back. It's like, man, minimum effort. Yeah. It's like, I'm NWO, but you got to look for it. <laughs> got like gaff tape that way. You can just ta- that way, when you leave the group, you can just peel it off and be fine. <laughs> yeah. We love a cheap costume change. So I did think this match was better than Norman Smiley versus Prince Ikea, but 
just I'm a little worn down right I now. I lost interest in this about as quickly as I did in that match. Yeah, I had less notes in this because ne- next one I have is Norton wins after a power bomb. I, yeah, he, yeah, he power bombs Jerry Flynn after Finley just chases Brian Adams out of the ring, like in the middle of Norton hitting or setting up for the power bomb, and I'm like, dude, he's gonna pin your guy, like just. Look to your left for three seconds. Right. It's like, nope. Too much logic. <laughs> so NWO win. With no interference, shockingly. I, mean, I think minimal. I, really I think I think be. Vincent does basic manager interference. Nothing crazy. It wasn't like a run-in. No. Which is what I was expecting. I was thinking, like, I guess in my logical head, or illogical, I don't know. I was thinking, like, maybe Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner would run in because they were in the segment right before this. Yeah. It's NWO. I don't know. Okay. We then get we then get a shot of a fucking scary fan just staring down the <laughs> lens. They're panning through the crowd, and like there's like one guy close up, just like making like serial killer eye contact with the lens. With the camera, just like who, following like, who, it. Who like moves a little bit with the camera, like dude, no, go away, go yeah, away. It was weird. I don't yeah. like this. Yeah, not a fan of that. We then get a Mean Gene interview with Eric Bischoff, and I got real. Uh, speaking of serial killers, I got real shining vibes off Bischoff just peeking, like peeking from behind the Starcade logo, like hi. Hi, here's Johnny. He shouts out the first family, considering they're in DC, and like especially Chelsea. Ugh. Chelsea was eighteen. Hey, it's legal. <laughs> yeah, the first family at this time being the Clintons. Yes, I. But I'm like, I have to look. I'm like, please be at least. In, like I, I don't want to have that. I don't want to have that conversation on the podcast. Oh, but like, how it's still creepy. Um, six months. Okay. I mean, you can okay. only okay. you can only be recently eighteen until you're nineteen. No, no. I mean, like, did she turn eighteen in the last week? No, no, no. no okay. Thank God. Because that would make that face even creepier. Like he had a countdown. Yeah. Bischoff says he feels bad that Flair's gonna wrestle with a bad heart, and he says Flair's only doing it because he's broke. Yeah, he needs money. And this is, is when I turned to Nick and I was like, is this a shoot? <sighs> That's probably not, but Flair did wrestle for a long time because he needed money. Yeah, and I remember you telling me that story, which is why I thought, like, is this for real? Like, yeah, because, I mean, part of what Bishop's saying is true, where it's like, yeah, he lived this lifestyle, like, on his own dime. Yeah. He pays for his own limos. He pays for his own helicopter rides, whatever. Like, the lavish lifestyle he lives, he yeah. pays for. See, the, the gig you need is the Million Dollar Man Ted, Ted DiBiase gimmick. Because Vince would give him a bunch of money and be like, hey, go, go do this yeah. thing. Like, you know, li- live the gimmick on the company's dime. It's like, oh, there you go. That's Which is actually what it. Bischoff's point is. He's like, exactly. I, I do all that same shit, but fucking Ted Turner pays for it. It's like, he's got a point. I mean, that is the way to do it, really. Yeah. I, I don't, th- again, I don't think this, this wasn't necessary before the match. Oh, no, no, no. We then get a video recap, not necessarily a video package. Of Chris Jericho beating up fake Conan from Nitro like a week or two ago. Yes. Which leads to Chris Jericho versus Conan for the WCW television title. Although Jericho comes out wearing the belt, but he's not the champion. Yeah, so he stole it from yes, he Conan stole it, last time? Yeah, he stole it. Like, I think like Conan was having a match or got like laid out, so he just took the belt. That's very Jericho. That's in character. I did love Jericho's look coming out. I thought it looked real cool. Oh, I love him. Like, this is, like, peak Jericho look-wise. Yeah, like, shiny jacket, pretty interesting tights, and then the floof. The floof. I love the floof. He also cuts a promo, which I'm going to play here, because it's pretty short, and... I was going to take notes on it. We both love. First and foremost, Rolfus and myself would like to wish all of the Jericho-holics... A happy Jericho holiday! 
Second of all, in a couple seconds, Conan, a.k.a. Baby Huey, is going to come out here. He's going to start talking, and to be quite honest with you, I guess I'm just not hip enough, because I don't understand what this guy is talking about. I don't know what rowdy rowdy means. I don't know what bowdy bowdy means, but I can tell you this. I am the man of the hour, the man with the power, the man too sweet to be sour. I am the woman's pet, the man's regret, the man with the voice, the Jericho-holic's choice. The choice of the Jericho-holic's to be the greatest television champion of all time. And for gosh sakes, baby Huey, show some fashion sense, show some je ne sais quoi, like Ralphus and myself. Pull up your pants, cause your drawers are hanging out. Daddy-o, thank you! So during the promo, he calls Conan Baby Huey a couple times. Yeah, what was that? Why? I don't fully get why. It's like a cartoon from the 50s. This is Baby Huey, because he's dressed ridiculously. That's almost more Ralphus than anything. Conan comes in and cuts his usual promo. Yeah, talking Spanish slash English. It's just, it's the same thing every time. Mm -hmm. If I spoke Spanish, I could tell you if it actually is the same thing every time. Once the match starts, Conan hits a drop kick to a seated Jericho, who then hits a spin kick. Conan goes to hit Jericho from the apron, but Jericho throws him head first into the barricade, and then later the ring post. Jericho goes for a cocky pin as the announcers note that it never works. Followed by our favorite, Chinlock, with an ask him. Ask him! Within like a second of locking it in. Jericho is, like, kind of choking Conan in the corner. Ref counts to four. Jericho breaks the hold and then counts five, six, seven. Like a little prick. <laughs> Jericho hits a flying nothing into Conan's yes. boot, which I think I think I, I called. I'm like, here it is. Yeah, you're like, oh, there he goes. Conan whips Jericho into the corner, who attempts to vault over Conan, but Conan catches him and hits an Alabama slam for a two. Alabama slammer. Jericho then hits a lion salt for a two, which I can, yeah, I never know whether or not that should be a finisher. It's not like high impact. No, it's not. It's definitely like not a, f- a finisher, but if that were to like become, if, if that was like his debut finisher, I'd be like, yeah, okay. That That is the Chris Jericho is facing a jobber, but we don't want to have them tap out. Yeah. Finisher. Yeah. <laughs> You're not worth the lion tamer. Here's, here's the lion salt. There was a point in this match where Jericho, like, kind of rips the shirt off of Conan. And this is when I made, like, a noise that you were like, oh, you didn't like that move? And I was like, no, 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 it wasn't that. Conan is so much hairier than I anticipated that man being. (laughs) For a, like, shaved head, bald-looking man, his chest is so hairy. (laughs) So when Jericho just tore the shirt off, I was like, ugh. (laughs) Jericho goes to vault to the outside onto Conan, but Conan moves and Jericho lands on the ring steps. Oh, which just looked real sore. I thought it looked like it hurt. I think that they were on their side, though, so you didn't just, like, take it entirely, like, like you know, like, falling down the stairs. Still, though. Conan goes for a face buster, but Jericho catches his legs and tries for a lion, lion tamer, which I liked a lot. Yeah, that did look pretty It was cool. a creative move. I can't say I've ever seen that before. No, it didn't work. But. No, he does not actually lock in the lion tamer. The ref gets bumped, and Jericho hits a belt shot on Conan, but Conan kicks out. Jericho throws a small temper tantrum, 
And then Conan hits a face buster and then locks in, you love the name of this, the Tequila Sunrise. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one before and I like that. And Jericho taps out to the Tequila Sunrise. Love me a Tequila Sunrise. That was a fine match. I mean, based on, compared to the last three matches, this was, you know, Savage Steamboat, but I thought it was fine. This match made Jericho look good and Conan look fine. It was a really fun match to watch, and it just made me really love watching Jericho matches more. And again, yeah, it might be because we watched it before this, but I don't know. It it makes me really enjoy watching Jericho. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate him, I guess. Yeah, but once once again, the uh, potential burying of Jericho happening, Conan hits the face buster, which is pretty much his finisher, mm-hmm. and then it's like, no, I'm going to make him tap out. Yeah. And I think he like, kind of, like, dismisses him, like, before the match in the pre-match promo, too. And I'm just like, uh, just can can we stop? Be- I mean, I know Jericho's leaving eventually, but can we stop burying the guy? Uh, yeah. He's just so entertaining. I'm, like, worried we're going to see less and less of him. I know. I'm going to be really sad when he leaves because he's definitely my favorite part of this company. Well, he'll right also now. be gone from TV, but not gone from the company for, like, months. Right. It's strange. But yeah. I have a couple last dates, and his... His supposed last match is on that list, so we'll see what happens. Next up, we get a WCW.com interview with The Giant, which actually was somewhat interesting. Maybe because they actually showed a bit of it and didn't just cut them off mid-sentence. Yeah, that's fair. That's new for them. Yeah, they like seem to be getting on kind of chummy at first, and Lee Marshall's like, Hey, I noticed uh, DDP managed to get up from the chokeslam. Giant's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> And it basically ends with, like, the giant will fight DDP and win because he is big. Yeah. Obviously. And the giant goes to get up, and even the commentary is like, no, let's go back to that. And it's like, they don't. So next up, the long-awaited Eric Bischoff versus Ric Flair. And let's just get this out of the way now. Okay, good, because I'm nervous. We played a little game. It's called Time to Blade. We kind of play this off mic whenever we watch a Ric Flair match. It's like, how long will it take... And from ring of the start of the match to when we first see blood on Ric Flair's face. Yes, and it's when we see it. That's the important thing. Not when we think the blading happens. Yes, I think our first instance of this was watching uh, Undertaker Ric Flair at WrestleMania 18. Yes. So, I have... We have both written down our times. We both do not know each other's time guess. Correct. I have the actual one as well. So, it's honor system that I didn't go change it, but... Okay. So my guess is three minutes, five seconds. My guess was five minutes and 30 seconds. The actual time. Three minutes, 41 seconds. Fuck! My, orig- my original time was four minutes, 30 seconds. I think you still would have won. It would have been close. Uh, just barely. Oh, man, I'm mad. But even more annoying is we're pretty. I'm pretty sure that he blades at the th- like right around the three minute mark, and then they're just like they didn't show it for a little while. I'm like, show it, show, it, come on. <laughs> I got nervous, so my reasoning for the time that I chose was that every match prior to this was longer than I anticipated it going. So I was like, okay, well, if it's a longer match than I anticipate, maybe the blading will happen later. Maybe there'll be more like stare down moments or something along those lines. So I wrote down four thirty at first. And I was like, nah, it's going to be longer than that. So I bumped it up by a minute. And then, like, this match was one of the shortest ones on the card. I'm like, no! So this doesn't seem to be no DQ. No, they don't say it is, at least. Oh, although, I see, I got bad vibes immediately because Rick came out wearing red. 
Oh, is that a bad sign? I think I've told you about this before, where if Rick wears red, he usually loses. He wore it at WrestleMania 18 when we watched that, too. I don't know the actual breakdown of that. I just know that is a trope. It's the Star Trek rules. So Rick gets halfway to the ring and then just books it. Mm -hmm. He chases Bischoff around before catching him and hitting some punches and chops. He peels at the face of Bischoff once he gets him down. He's mostly working him over in the corners. Mm -hmm. And he hits a knee drop, follows it up with a woo. Woo! Bischoff kicks Flair in the head when the ref tries to stop Flair. Ref, Ref stopping Flair is why I'm like, okay, there are DQs. Maybe. Bischoff then smashes Flair's head into the guardrail, which I think is That's what triggers the blade. The, the blade. That's definitely the blade. Flair then blatantly low blows Bischoff three times. The and ref- not with a distracted ref. No, the ref is just fine with it. This is also what our other uh, newer segment I'm going to introduce. Our blown call of the night. Okay, so what does that mean? Where someone absolutely should have gotten DQ'd and was not. Rick Flair absolutely should have been DQ'd 100%. here. 100%. This is our most egregious bad call of the night. <laughs> then again, it is Little Nate refing, so maybe, maybe there's some mm. bias. And part of the reason I say it's not a no DQ match is because they feel the need to bump the ref to do a low blow spot at one point. Because Flair removes Bischoff's shirt and is hitting chops in the corner. Then the ref gets bumped, and then Flair hits Shattered Dreams, which if you don't know what Shattered mm-hmm. Dreams is, it is when you spread your opponent's legs in the corner and then run, a, go across the ring and then run back and punt his dick. Oh, I mean, in reality, you're just kicking the turnbuckle pad below his but dick. It but it looks like... Yeah. That is, uh, that is gold, one of Goldust's finishers, okay. which depending on who was writing it that week, would it result in a pin or a DQ? Okay. So Flair then gets Bischoff in the figure four, but the ref is still down. Then, out of nowhere, Kurt Hennig runs down. He gives Bischoff some sort of weird brass knuckle. I don't know what it was. It was just something to put on your hand to punch Ric Flair and knock him out with. I have n- The announcers didn't help with that at all. I even got a better look at it, and I still don't know what the hell it was. It definitely wasn't like a traditional brass knuckles sort of thing. But Bischoff punches Flair, knocks him out, gets the pin. Yeah, I, that was a... That was a quick match. Yeah, it wasn't great. I don't know how much of a chance it stood to begin with, but... I expected a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, that was just, just a bummer. It's not fun enough through the rest of it to kind of make up for the downer ending. Yeah, no. And yes, the random... I need, I can hit low blows, but we need to bump the ref for my other low blow spot, but also for the interference. I'm just right. like, the logic there kind of annoys me. I think overall, was, I mean, the, the ending also puts a sour taste in your mouth, as it's designed I mean, to. yeah, it's supposed to. Like, but just as a whole, I was like, the random Kurt Hennig interference out of left field. I mean, like, they, so- they feuded in WWF. They probably feuded a little bit here, but like. Nothing recently. They're even like, he's back from an injury. It wasn't like Ric Flair injured him. I didn't even know who this guy was. Yeah, it's Mr. Perfect. Okay. I mean, he has a big name to come back, but just in this setting, it felt weird. Because it felt like they were trying to go like, oh man, personal issues of him and Flair and they want to, you know, like he'll he'll help Bischoff. It wasn't like he was wearing an NWO shirt, so I don't know. Because also, 
they're like NWO could have interfered yeah. as well, but they didn't. Odd logic to this match, and it just this guy running in just felt very quick and unceremonious. It's like blink yeah. and you miss it. Yeah, and that and... shouldn't be a thing for like a big name cameo. Agreed. I'm almost trained for there to be more interference in an NWO yeah. match. So the fact there's only one guy, I'm like, oh, this is just That's weird. That's not set to in the yeah. NWO. He also looked disheveled. <laughs> yeah, he did not look perfect. No, here he's heading. Instead of the perfect plus, it's the heading plus. Sure. That's, no, that's what it is. It's like, oh, it's a sad meta statement about how things are going. Mm-hmm. Underwhelming. Yeah. And that kind of takes us to uh, our semi-main event, DDP versus The Giant. We also get a video package for this again. We do. I didn't even mark that one down. Oh, Which, I've been marking down all the video I think packages. the video package is what made you realize, like, why isn't Bret Hart on this card at all? Yeah. I couldn't find an answer. My best guess is I w- it wouldn't shock me if he actually is slightly hurt. Yeah. Because he hasn't actually wrestled in a little while. Like, he won the title via screwiness and then, you know, only hasn't wrestled since. And so that's my guess is that he's just nursing a little injury, nothing major. Yeah. But they don't even mention him. They don't bring him up. Well, speaking of champions nursing injuries, and I don't think we've actually brought this up on the podcast before. You know what else isn't on this show in terms of title matches? The tag team championships. Who are the tag team championships? Rick Steiner and somebody. Either. depending on. We haven't seen Rick Steiner in a minute. Rick Steiner is shoot hurt. That's why. Okay. They will eventually strip him of the titles, but he is currently hurt. He's like hurt, hurt. What did he do? Do you know? It's something with his arm. Mm, okay. I, 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 I did note at World War Three. I'm like, his arm. that's why that match didn't happen then. I'm like, his arm looks kind of messed up during that. And I don't oh, know okay. whether he got hurt in that segment or he got hurt before that and they used a the segment to cover. But yeah, I to this day, I don't know whether or not his tag partners kenny chaos or judy bagwell i don't know who is, i don't know who gets credit for the other <laughs> oh, half of that I hope team it's judy. because kenny chaos actually won it but then there was a raven promo where he talks about judy bagwell being tag team champion so i'm like which which is it Woo. so but yeah no brett tonight the giant when he comes out has to duck under the starcade logo <laughs> yeah. in case you forgot he is a big man and we have finally figured out the mystery with a quick Google search, which we really should have done previously, yeah. about DDP's theme. So the reason DDP's theme always has awkward audio is because it's not actually his <laughs> theme. I don't know if he gets this later or if this is just what the video games gave him, but his actual theme is a blatant ripoff of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. To the point where I was like, oh, like I, I just heard his version of like, Oh, wait a minute. Okay. That's, that, that's, that's why. Yeah. Like, I heard it. And I was like, I don't need to look into this any further. I now I now know all the details I need to. So it wasn't a quick Google search. No, it was a YouTube search. Oh, okay. It was, I listened to his, his actual theme and went, that makes sense why they can't use that. Yeah. Uh, Raven also has a similar issue. It's just a shame because none of these guys have, like, memorable replacement themes. Well, Ravens is his WWF one, as is Jericho's. Still. Because Jericho has the even flow knockoff. I forget what uh, Ravens one is. But I also kind of laugh at how, at the end of the day, ECW just would blatantly ignore the music stuff. And and so then WWE had that problem of, oh, we need to redo all the audios for for these because of that. (laughs) Meanwhile, WCW tried to do knockoff themes 
And it's the same issue. And yeah, they did them so badly that you couldn't even call them like or so covers well, or parodies. Depending on how you look at it. Yeah, depends. So, start of the match, we get DDP spitting in the giant's face. Warranted. He then clotheslines the giant to the outside, which I feel like ruined every Royal Rumble I've ever seen. Yeah, so every Royal Rumble that the giant slash big show is in, it's like, oh, they're never going to get him out. He's too big. And well, DDP wasn't in that rumble. DDP is small and got him out in one hit. DDP's kind of pretty small. He's not tiny, though. He's not tiny. He's not Rey Mysterio tiny, but he's not big. No, like Giant is just large and slow and DDP is small and quick. So it makes a very strange matchup for this match. Also on the outside, in terms of strangeness, DDP hits the Giant with a trash can. Oh, that just crumbles. Well, yeah, it's a a trash can in wrestling. But it was also, like, outside the barricade, like, in the audience, where a trash can would never be naturally. Even the announcer's like, I don't know where the hell that came from. Yeah, neither do we. (laughs) The giant works over DDP's shoulder before press slamming DDP into the ring from the outside. Once back on the inside, he decides to work over the leg now. Which the commentators are like, oh, that's great. He's working over all the body parts. Then you're not working over a body part. No, then you're just working over the... You're, then you're just fighting. Then you're, you're just having a match. You're just, you're just distributing the pain evenly. <laughs> well, this is also before he got the colossal clutch. The colossal clutch? The colossal clutch. Oof. It's basically a Steiner recliner. <laughs> Although even lazier looking somehow. <laughs> we get a long rest hold after that. And even when they break it, the giant looks gassed. The bear hug? No, this is this is the the leg lock, and then he gets up and he just looks. Oh winded. yeah, he's winded. He's tired. Yeah, because then they go into the bear hug, until the giant just lets go. Which is the the bear hug? Can we talk about the bear hug for a second? Because this is the silliest non wrestling wrestling move. I, I I've squeezed you, and you, it's been sore. But this isn't wrestling. This is squeezing. A, this is a hug. This is not have any kind of impact. This is not make for good TV. This is not a fun. Okay, I, I know how to watch. make this move better. One. What if the giant's on one side, and then a large mummy-like character, who was even taller than the giant, was on the other side, and they both kind of did a bear mm. hug? Or, what, you, know, you know, like a you know, mummy, kind of like a... What if he was like a Yeti? What if he was like a... Yeti! Perfect. <laughs> Booked. Let's do it. <laughs> That, was, that may have been the most self-indulgent back and forth we've had in a while. <laughs> but yeah, so Giant just lets go of the bear hug, which reminded me of every wrestling video game I've played where just like, well, the submission's not happening and, we, you know, like, we don't know how to get you out of this because we don't want to give the opponent, like, the counter. So just, just oh, let he let go for some reason. Must have been losing his grip. <laughs> DDP goes for the diamond cutter, but Giant pushes him off and hits a nice power slam, a nice big power move. Giant then also picks up DDP mid-pin, like an asshole. Yeah. He's done that a couple I times. I hate when they do that. It's just It also makes you look worse when you fucking lose. Yeah, exactly. Like, you could have won, and you fucked it up. Giant locks in another bear hug, and then they do the three-arm spot, which we love to do around here. Oh, yeah. DDP then bites the giant's face to escape. This is my argument for most blatant dq that was not called like you said it was in the um rick flair eric bischoff match yeah come on well there were three dq there were three low blows but in that this one. is like blatant like 
he's biting his fucking face. Like, how do you miss that? We then get an Aloha Giant, but it's countered into a two-hand choke into a backbreaker. DDP manages to hit a Diamond Dream, is what they call it. It's over. it's a float-over jumping DDT, which I'm pretty sure if you played the you know, any of the any of the wrestling games, I think that was like DDT three. It was like the one running DDT move you could do. Giant then presses DDP off of a pin and onto the ref. Yeah, and like not even in like a hard hit on the yeah, ref. Yeah, it seemed accidental. It but did. then but then it was a ref bump, so I'm but like, oh, I guess just, that wasn't. The ref just collapsed and was, you know, out of commission for the rest yeah. of the match basically. Which cues Bret Hart to come down. Yeah, as like as if on cue right before this match we're like, "Hey, where's Bret Hart? Here he is. Found him." He comes in and just murders the giant with a chair by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and then DDP low blows him. Giant kicks out at one. I'm like, yeah, oh. he's not having that. <laughs> DDP hits a diving clothesline, followed by another, then signals for the diamond cutter, but then goes back up to the top rope. Giant counters it, but then DDP hits a blatant low blow in front of the ref. Yep. Like like the punt low blow. Like not not the I'm gonna drop down and like hit the arm, just like, you know, I'm holding you for a choke slam, low blow. What's a DQ? Although it doesn't do enough because Giant then goes for a top rope choke slam, but DDP counters it mid-air into a diamond cutter. Which was so cool. And gets the pin. And that's it. Although there's an odd false ending of after that, Brett is like deciding if he wants to get in the ring and Giant's like standing up in the background and then nothing kind of happened. Happens. Yeah, it was odd. <sighs> Not a great match. I mean, the, the no. end the end spot's cool. I can't. I, exactly. I, I don't think the I've seen that anymore. Cool. I don't think I've ever seen that one before or since. And the closest I've seen, and just for overall comparison, is uh, Undertaker, Randy Orton, WrestleMania twenty one. Uh, Undertaker goes for a choke slam, and Randy Orton turns it into an RKO. Oh, okay. I'd say this is even smoother than that, but I don't know if it's worth watching the whole match for that. Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, I mean, like. On a better pay-per-view, this would be a bad match. But when you have that valley of Norman Smiley, Prince Iakea, and the other Even two. valley is a little shallow. Yeah. If you have that, this seems better. But, man, yeah, Giant, uh, he, he he can't go for a long match. And, no, and this wasn't even a long match. Yeah, and he's, again, he's, slow, he's on his way out. Yeah, he's got to be out soon, right? Yeah. His contract ends in February, but he's... Has his last match in January. Damn. So we have finally made it to the main event. Ooh, we did it. Kevin Nash versus Goldberg for the WCW title. We get the same choir video package as earlier. Again, are they dead or are they gods? We don't know. It's Michael Buffer time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Which he notes, the mandatory match for the title. And I'm like, the mandatory. M-. Like, you're making that sound like a chore. <laughs> We, None of us want to be here. We all don't want to be doing this, but it's mandatory, so... We get a Goldberg 632 sign, which made me laugh. What is that? Because it's twice as good as Austin 316. Oh, shut up. Ew. <laughs> you didn't get that one? No. Kevin Nash comes out with a fair amount of time left, we noted. Yeah, there's like 20 minutes left in the show. I'm shocked. We, we actually get a full... Goldberg entrance. Which we have not gotten in weeks. We actually get a, bon- a bonus part to the Goldberg entrance because he stopped signing a, a t-shirt for a kid backstage. Yeah, it was kind of heartwarming and nice. Yeah. <laughs> so when he comes out, I 
I missed who said each, but it's like, this is no DQ, right? Yes, we've made that abundantly clear since we found out. Abundantly clear, they say. Michael Buffer does say, the man who's won 174 straight matches. Oh, no, does he say that? Yeah, it's 173, bud. Ooh, Michael, you're still getting your two million of show, I guess. There's a big fight feel to this match. There's also yes. big smoke feel to this match because all of Goldberg's pyro hasn't dissipated yet. Oh my god, yet. yeah. He got every pyro. Like, every pyro you could think of. Every gun that they had in that place went off with some firework. Even Ke- Kevin Nash, like, raises his arms. Just, yeah. just everywhere. A pretty split crowd in terms of cheers, I kind of noticed. Yeah. I still don't quite understand why Kevin Nash is so over, but... They lock up until Goldberg powers Nash into the corner. Nash gets Goldberg in a headlock, but Goldberg gets out with a back suplex. Both Goldberg sucks and Nash sucks chance at various points. Nash gets Goldberg into the corner, hits knees, punches, back elbows, the Kevin Nash usual. And I'm like, this should be shorter and more hard hitting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Unfortunately, the blueprint for what every Goldberg match should be happened with Oldberg. Oldberg. Which is him and Brock at WrestleMania 33. Oh, really? Just two big boys hitting big moves. Yeah. And it's like five minutes and that's it. But that's kind of what a Goldberg match is to me at this point. Like, the fact I mean, that this, this had this, 20 I'm saying, minutes. I'm saying this one's not. No, but like the fact that this had 20 minutes, like this is long for a Goldberg I think it only goes match. for like, like 11-ish. I know, but the fact that there were 20 minutes yeah. left in the show was still like, woo. But like, like Nash and, R- and Wrath had a match like that, which I thought was better. Yeah, that's fair. Nash goes for a big boot, but Goldberg ducks it and hits a spear. He signals for the jackhammer, but Nash is like out on the ground. Nash hits a low blow, to which I wrote DQ, and you were like, no. Yeah, no I like, saw you writing that down. Like, no, no, no. I'm just so trained for low blows in matches where they're not supposed to be. We have made it abundantly clear. Nash hits a sidewalk slam and then an elbow drop. Nash works over Goldberg with slow offense. Goldberg counters a suplex with a spinning neckbreaker and hits a standing sidekick and then power slams Nash with ease. Like, he's a big boy. We then get some interference from Disco Inferno. This caught me so off guard. Who they who commentary calls a wolf pack wannabe. So he's not even in the wolf pack. No, he's just a supporter. He comes in and gets speared. But why Disco Inferno? Then we get Bam Bam Bigelow running in. That one makes sense. And he gets and he gets fought off by Goldberg. Goldberg then lines up in the corner, seeming like a spear, and we get Scott Hall in a security shirt, and not just a security shirt, and a cattle prod, or a stun gun, whatever you want to call it. But he basically electrocutes Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Nash has not seen any of this, and sets up Goldberg for the jackknife. He hits it. One, two, three. 173 and one. Kevin Nash has broken the streak and is your new booker. I'm sorry, um, WCW <laughs> champion. Sorry, uh, whew, weird slip there. I don't know how that happened. They talked about this in the documentary. Yeah. And Nash, to this day, still... He somehow manages to come off bitter about the streak and claims... Half claims he wasn't booking at all, but then he absolutely was booking. This has been proven by, like, 12 sources. Yeah. 
He doesn't seem to be head booker. But he also says like, oh, me taking the title. That wasn't my idea. Yeah. And he's also just like, well, if people are making stuff up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that Hogan and Bischoff got drunk one night and we're like, what if we beat Goldberg? Either way, <sighs> just that it, it's a weird non-moment in the match, like, like in the match too. Yeah. Like so- I, like I compare this to Undertaker's WrestleMania streak ending mm-hmm. where like. It should have been a massive yeah. moment. Like Undertaker streak ending, like Brock Lesnar's music doesn't hit for like thirty, like like thirty seconds to a minute. Yeah. Just like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And this just, oh Goldberg lost. Oh the streak's over. Like oh. it's just a weird tone. Like I don't. They're treating this as like, oh man, this is really this is cool versus like this is stunning. Yeah. And I think was, that's my issue with it. So Nick actually wanted to record my live reaction to Goldberg losing his streak. By the end of the match, I was so unenthused and like kind of bored yeah, by the like, match. Like, oh, cool. That like, yeah, I just he, I saw it happen. I was like, oh, well, there's that. I think I had more of a reaction to Scott Hall having the fucking taser. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoa, no, no, no. <laughs> So yeah, that was Gar- that was Starcade. That was Starcade, and that was Goldberg's streak. Yeah. Oh man. So when that documentary came up on the WWE Network, I remember like looking at Nick and being like, "Oh, I really want to watch that." And he's like, "Oh, we can't watch till the streak's over." And me in my head thinking, "Well, that's gonna be in like fucking months. There's no way. Like, I'm- we're not even gonna remember to watch this. It might even still be on the network by the time we finish the streak." Yeah, I, and that was like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's worth knowing. I knew about this going in. <laughs> like, yes, like I, I, I was very much trying to preserve the secret for Emily because also anytime it showed up on the network, it'd be like relive the hundred and seventy three match winning streak. I'm like, move on the next screen. And that's proof that I'm not reading and I'm not paying attention. Yeah, but at the beginning of at the beginning of a couple of matches, or like we have a a running joke. Most of the time, Nick knows who wins these matches. So when we're watching WWE, particularly, not so much with WCW, when we're watching WWE matches, I kind of like jokingly look over and be like, who you got in this match? Because like, I know he knows who wins. And I did that in this one. And he was just like, I don't know. And I was like, wait, no, you're supposed to say Goldberg. (laughs) What? (laughs) And at that moment, I was like, oh, no, Kevin Nash is in this match. Oh, no, isn't Kevin Nash booking? Oh, no. Oh, please say psych. Please say psych. (laughs) Please say psych. So yeah, that's that's Starcade nineteen ninety eight. Overall uh, thoughts on the show? Good at the, at the beginning. All right, how did it compare to the previous? Better than World War Three. Yes. Honestly, I still think Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc was really good. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, like it still was not a good show. But I'm just like, you know what? There were some decent highlights on yeah, that. And... This was entertaining throughout. It wasn't good matches, but I was entertained. Luckily, the stuff that was really bad didn't last too long. Like, if the fucking Norman Smiley Prince IK match was, like, half an hour, that would have been way bad. I mean, if it wasn't for the, you know, wrestling cultural significance of the main event... Yeah. I'd say watch the first two matches and call it. Yeah. Like, there's, I mean, there's nothing else... Should we even bother doing Match of the Night? Yeah, I mean, Match of the Night... I mean, I guess Match of the Night is between the first two. I had, uh... I had the the, the uh, triangle match. Same. That was my match of the night for sure. Uh, MVP? Oh, my MVP was um, Kidman. 
I didn't mind Ray. Um, I know we, we you mentioned yours, me Kidman, and I was like, okay, you know, like, I think Ray stands out with a lot more of his offense than that. I mean, credit to Kidman for kind of going the distance between both. Yeah, but I think it really depended on how he performed in that second match. Like, if Billy Kidman came out and looked like a total ass and just kind of like got worked over the whole time, I wouldn't have given him MVP. I mean, I think to to me, he got worked over a little too much in the second one for you know, but he still won. I'm saying if he just, like, came out and got curb stomped by oh, Eddie oh, Guerrero God, yeah. and I, lost like that, then absolutely not. Yeah, man, we, re- we really uh, ignored that. If Kidman lost that, he would have looked like an idiot. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, they they would have killed his character. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I'm going to still stick with Ray. We we saw Hoovy versus Kidman a bunch. Yeah. And so I think adding – when you add Kurt Angle to the mix, uh, <laughs> you add Ray Mysterio to the mix, and I think – he is what elevates, you know, that pair into like yeah. bordering on five star territory. I think the only thing, only that kills that match is the cutting away from the three count. <laughs> Whoever oh, was behind the camera on that is just like, I hope you were fired because, like, come on. No nah, man, I sure hope somebody got fired for that blunder. <laughs> so next up on our schedule, we have the our first full Monday Nitro. So we're going weekly for a month. Yeah, we are going to hit the December 28th, 1998 Nitro. The last Nitro of 98. Cool. After that will be a very special episode of the Butts and Seeds podcast, where, I guess, now is as good a time as any to say, we will be reviewing two episodes of wrestling television, not two episodes of Nitro. We will be reviewing both the January 4th episode of Nitro and Monday Night Raw. Which I'm excited about. That one's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be uh, man, your first real taste of pure Attitude Era Raw. Yeah, that's true. Because we full just dove vi- into SmackDown. Full Vince Russo Raw. I'm excited. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Well, it's sure to put some butts in the seats. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod. We're getting a little more active over there. A little bit. You can also uh, subscribe to us on Spotify butts in the seats podcast tell people about us if you're listening we're still trying to grow <laughs> any other uh closing thoughts for us i hate kevin nash kevin nash is champion what's that world gonna look like bad well you never know what can happen you know you never know and on that note thanks for listening to the butts in the seats podcast <laughs>